Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for a variety of reasons. Um, I had a good time uh, preaching through the book of Job with you guys. That was a delight. Uh, it's challenging, and, and, and as it was, it was, it was a good thing, and now we're excited to move into celebrating the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's pray together as we uh, get ready to open the Bible together. Father in heaven, we love you, and uh, we're thankful for today. God, we know that um, you're in control of all things, and we entrust uh, this month of December to you, Lord. We know that there are plenty of things, plenty of distractions, plenty of um, joyful and exciting things ahead of us. Uh, But, Lord, we know there's always a mix of emotions, and I pray, God, that as we gather on Sundays, as we gather throughout the week, as we live life, as we walk life together, God, I pray that we would set our gaze upon your son, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray that you bring healing where there's hurt, and uh, God, you bring joy where there's sadness. Um, Lord, I I pray that we would uh, not get stuck um, in the flow of of what life looks like in our culture in December, but that we could, um, I guess, go against the flow, Lord, and set our hope in you. So meet us here, we pray, God. Speak through me, Lord, I ask as I open your word. God, I pray that, um, that your word would come alive to us. God, that you'd meet us where we're at with the things in our minds. And, and Father, I pray that we could leave this, this afternoon and say, God, you, you met us here. You spoke to me. And so, Father, I pray you would do that. Give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see. And be lifted high, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, indeed, uh, Christmas season is here, and it is exciting. I mean, um, there's all kinds of things. What are some things you love about Christmas? Just shout it out. Food. You got special food. Um, decorations. What? Again, together with family and friends. Traditions. Presents. Someone had to go there, right? Pasteles, right. So we, these, these are fun things. There's, there's sights, there's sounds, there's scents. There's all good things. And um, nobody mentioned going to the mall, though. Yeah. Right? I mean, so, so when we, we come to Christmas season, we enjoy all these things, but we all feel the pressure to to kind of live up to what the expectations of our culture put onto us and getting the gifts, getting stuck in traffic, looking for parking, getting mad at people, all those things come with Christmas and, and a, a lot of good things too. So what I want us to do here during the next four Sundays here at the Brook, I'm, I'm anxious to, to get us realigned, if you will. Uh, this is some spiritual chiropractor kind of stuff going on right here, okay? Uh, you get out of line, we want to get you back in line. We want you to get focused on the, 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 the purpose and point of Christmas and not get bogged down with the other messages that we hear, many of which are good, some of which are not. Uh, but what it comes down to, it, Christmas is about Jesus, all right? He is the, the focal point. And what gets me excited every Christmas, but it's also the great challenge, is I end up talking about the same thing every year. Um, but the same thing doesn't get old. I just want to make sure we hear it and it stays fresh in our ears, Half that responsibility is yours, and other half is mine. I want to communicate it clearly, but you got to receive it. Say, God, give me the ears to hear. Give me, give me a fresh side of Christmas. Uh, help me refocus. Help me get off on the right foot. And, and that's what we're going to do today as we seek to get aligned. i got two goals throughout this series that we're going to be covering. Uh, my, my first goal is that you would be in awe. All right, be in awe of, of what Christmas is about. As we refocus on the birth of Jesus that we would actually step back and say, wow, thank you, God. And the second thing, I want us to step back and say, God, how can I keep 
engaged in the very mission you began when Jesus came to this earth. I want us to have those two focuses, not become inward and and self-serving, and not just outward and and doing good things, but we want to love people with the love of Jesus. And and I hope and pray that we can come away with that. And so what we're going to do today, we're going to unpack the book from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And actually, those are the verses I'll be unpacking for the next four weeks. So if you can, would you please turn your Bible to the book of John. It is uh, the fourth book of the New Testament, the latter half of the Bible. Uh, As always, there is a table of contents there in your Bible, and you can find the book if you don't know your books of the Bible that that way. And if you don't own a Bible, uh, we we say this every Sunday because we mean it every Sunday. If you don't own a Bible, please take the one that's in the chair in front of you. Uh, We'd love for you to have God's Word, especially as we unpack it during this Christmas season. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 is where we're going to be. I'm going to give you some background about the book of John and let that springboard us into exploring the the meaning of Christmas. Um, John makes his goal for writing the book very explicit. I mean, when you read a book, you want to find out in the introduction, what's the point of this book? Every good book will tell you that, unless it's a novel that develops its story. But any any book tells you this is what the purpose of this book is doing. Uh, John does that in these verses we're looking at, but he also does that at the end of his book. In chapter 20, verses 31, he says this. He says, uh, 30 and 31, says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John says he wrote the book of John so that people who read it would believe in Jesus. That's that's his stated purpose. In the same way, we're preaching this. I'm preaching this sermon with the stated purpose for those who don't believe in Jesus that you would come to believe in him. And by believing, I want to make this clear: we're not talking that he existed, although that's certainly the case. But virtually everybody on this earth says Jesus existed. It's a historical fact. Some might deny that, but it really is a historical fact. Jesus existed. So we're not talking about believing, believing that he existed. We're talking about a different kind of belief, a belief that changes your life. That, that's what the Christmas story is about. That's why John wrote his, his gospel, this, this book, is so that he would persuade you to believe in Jesus. And maybe you already believe. Maybe you're living for Jesus. But I want this belief you have in Jesus to rock you in a different way. In a, in a fresh way. The way John wants you to believe, he does a variety of things. In the book of John, he gives seven particular miracles that Jesus did, like turning water to wine, raising Lazarus from the dead. Uh, John, John lays out these different things that Jesus did. But he also lays out these, what we call, I am statements of Jesus, where Jesus says, I am the bread, I am the light, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the true vine. Jesus has these statements, and each time he makes the statement, he's saying, I'm the one that you need, and I am the one who is the I am of the Old Testament. I am the God of this Bible. And so John is trying to show people who Jesus is and what he claimed to be and what he did. That's, that's the goal of the book of John. And of course, uh, the most popular verse in the Bible comes from this book, and it's John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, that's John saying, this is what I want you to understand, that Jesus came to give you life. 
Well, all this begins in chapter 1. John doesn't start out with a birth story of Jesus. He doesn't say, you know, one day when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. No, that, that happens in the book of Luke. He doesn't talk about Joseph's dealings with Mary. That happens in the book of Matthew. John doesn't talk about Jesus as a baby at all. And so you're like, why are you preaching that for, you know, for Christmas? What, what John does, he talks about the beginning, though. And, and this is what I love about this. It's unique. It's fresh. And I hope, I hope it rocks us all in the same way. It's John's way in the beginning, the first 18 verses, his way of answering the so what question. Any communicator needs to uh, deliver a message and up front, he, needs to, he or she needs to ask himself, why do people need to keep listening to me? I mean, every Sunday, that's what I think. I, I have on my notes the word need. What is the need? What are we, what are we trying to get across here? And, I, and I've already stated our need is to get realigned. Our need is to have our focus on Jesus. Our need is to see him and have awe in him and join him in his mission. And John, in the same way, states the need in his book. And his need is that he establishes is he wants people to believe and particularly believe in Jesus. And so we need an answer today. Why does he want people to believe? And why does he want them to believe in Jesus? Why are you called to believe in Jesus? Why am I standing here telling you this thing? Why believe? Why believe in Jesus? And what does it mean to believe? So that's what chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 are going to state. So let's read this together. Would you rise to your feet one more time? Sorry to do that, but I'm going to stretch this out in honor of God's word. We're going to read the scriptures. I'll read it. Uh, follow along with me. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things, can you say all things? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, verse 9, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And then verse 14. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, though, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is God's word for us. You may be seated. 
Man, there is so much here. My intention was to preach that entire 18 verses this morning, and then on Monday I realized this is going to take me four weeks, so I changed plans. And so I'd rather take my time and help us understand it than rush through it and have us miss something that's important. I, I said that John is establishing the so what question. Why listen to him? And basically what he's saying is, the reason you're supposed to listen to me is that everyone is walking in darkness. The word darkness shows up two times and light seven times in the first nine verses. This light-darkness contrast is important to John. In fact, turn over to chapter 3 real quick with me. Look at chapter 3, verse 19. John writes this. This is Jesus' word speaking. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. There is a contrast from the very beginning between light and darkness. And what John is stating for us is that light represents the good and the truth and darkness represents the evil and sin. Now, not every time does darkness do that. We can go outside at nighttime. doesn't mean we're walking in the, in the evil of the day. God is creator of all things. Uh, but, but here he's just drawing a contrast between light and darkness, what is good and what is evil. And what he's saying here in these opening verses is that the world is dark. There, there is darkness in our world, and this is something we all have to come to grips with, got to come to terms with. Not only that our world is dark, but we ourselves are born in the same kind of darkness. And these aren't popular words in our day and age, but if we miss the fact that we're really broken people, we have no need for someone to repair us. If we have no understanding <clears throat> that we walk in darkness, then we have no need for the light. This is getting important here. If we have no need for salvation, we've got no need for Jesus. So we got to understand that darkness is not just what represents the, the temperature of the world, but it, it represents us in our being. Some say we are totally depraved. It's not to say that you're as bad as you can be. Some of you may be. But, but it is to say that, that sin, this rebellion against God, has affected us to the core of our being. It, it's, it's what we identify with from our birth. That's what represents humanity, and that's what John is saying. That's the so what question, is you are in darkness, so what are you going to do about it? Or better yet, what has God done about it? We've got to understand the separation that occurred when Adam and Eve took of the fruit, and it affects not just on them, but everyone sits them coming to us and everyone after us. This, this is what we're talking about here. Um, this past week, I, I broke a bowl at the house. One of the nice ones, you know, you don't want to break. It was like a fruit bowl. It, it was in a cupboard. I opened it up, and it slid right out. And naturally, I blame one of the kids or somebody else for putting it there. You know, it wasn't my fault. And I looked at this bowl, and right away I thought, Erica really likes this fruit bowl. I know this. We've had a few close calls before this where it caused a, you know. But this one, it was like it was done immediately. It hit the floor, and it, it just broke apart. And I looked at that thing, and right away I'm thinking, like, I got to fix this, right? But there was just too many pieces. Like, like, it was broken. There were some big pieces, and there were some little ones. And I just thought, you know what, if I try to fix this, it's, it's, it's not going to work. It, it won't be able to hold anything in it. It won't hold water because there'll be holes, and it won't hold fruit because they'll be too heavy. This thing's beyond repair, so 
All I did was I swept it up and threw it in the garbage. If, if I tried to fix it, honestly, it would have been ambitious at best. It had been quite foolish. It was beyond my ability to repair. You guys follow me here? You, you, hear, you hear where I'm going? See, this, this is what we had to understand about humanity. We are broken beyond repair by our own strength. We, we're laying in shards of glass. And, and imagine if I swept that up and stuck them in a garbage bag and swung it against a brick wall. I mean, that's more of what we're like as human beings. We need someone to intervene. And, and this, 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 this is Christmas. We've got to understand that. And God's mission is ambitious. It's ambitious for God to take people that he made who shook their fist at him, turned away from him, and say, I'm going to come and rescue them. People who are broken but on repair in need of a miracle. That's Christmas. God, eternal, stepped on this earth. So don't get sidetracked by rocking around Christmas trees. Sing them out, enjoy them, but man, don't get sidetracked. Christmas is about a divine dilemma that was posed by rebellious people, and God found a way to make it new, to fix it, to put it back together for all, only all who believe in Jesus. So John's saying, this this is the problem. We live in darkness. We are in need of light. We are broken. We're in need of repair. And John 1, 1 steps into the scene. John's like, okay, that's why we need to hear what I'm about to write, John's saying. It's because we're in darkness. But why believe in Jesus to be the one to repair the darkness? I mean, why, why is Jesus the one we're talking about right now? There are many world religions, and all claim to be the way to happiness. If if there's a religion that says, hey, this is the way to misery, come follow us, it's not going to thrive. But every world religion claims to be, and most world religions claim to be the only way, and why am I here saying Jesus is that way? Why did John write this to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? The reason John did is what he says in verse 1 So let's put our noses there in the book here. John says, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, notice that, three words, same words the Bible opens up with, right? God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John's like, in like manner, in the beginning, I'm going back. I'm going way back. Throwback jerseys are in style, aren't they? Uh, Football teams, basketball teams wear their throwback uniforms from back in the 80s or whatnot. We we love to, to, to go back. I remember as a kid listening to music, and I remember when family members would say, that's an oldie remade, I'd be offended because I know this is new. It just came out last week. And, and then I hear the original, and, and of course, they're offended because they're like, the original's better. You know, we, we want to go back. We want to go back to the source over and over. And John's like, I'm going back to the beginning. Not, not just the beginning of a story that, we, that we're all familiar. I'm going back to the beginning before anything. I'm going back to when there was nothing else other than God and himself. I'm going to the beginning where you can't go anywhere beyond, John is saying. See, everything finds its origins in him who originates. And John is saying, I'm going to start my story right there. And he says, in the beginning was the word. 
And the word was with God, and the word was God. And he's speaking in some language where, like, okay, I don't understand what you're saying. What is the word here? Like, in the beginning was the word? Like, there were words around? Uh, this word in, in Greek is logos. Can you say logos? Logos, where we get our word logo. It's an image. In, in the beginning was the, was the word. And this, this word, word, meant various things for Greeks and meant various things for Jews. And so I'm going to give us a quick bird's eye view. Because when John speaks these words, when he writes these words, he's trying to signal thoughts in people's minds as thoughts are coming in your and my mind. For the Greek philosopher, for the Stoic, the, the word logos was a rational principle with every, which, in which everything exists. It, it was the laws that caused everything to come into existence. And, and for them, there was no greater thing than the logos. And, and then there was this, this Jewish writer named Philo who was influenced by Plato. And Plato had this idea that there was the original things out there and everything we know is a reflection of that thing. And, and Philo like, likewise said humanity is influenced by that, that original, and that original is the logos. And, and these are these philosophical categories they had of something greater, but nothing, it's nothing you really could put your hands on. That, that, that's the Greek world. But in the Old Testament scriptures, John's like, I also want to cause some other thoughts to come to your mind. Because in the Old Testament, the word of God is a powerful thing. In fact, Oftentimes we hear it says, thus says the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. The word of the Lord, and is God revealing himself through words? Or how about in, in Psalm 33, 6, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. So, so God's word reveals, God's word creates, and God's word delivers. Psalm 107, 20, he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And so John here says, in the beginning was the word He's calling to mind this, this idea of something greater, but there's also the idea of God interacting. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This, this is not just letters on a page, but there, there is something about this Word that, that is personal, John is saying. This, this Word was with God. Not that God had words, but the Word was with God. I, I know this, this feels out there, doesn't it? And he goes on to say that the word actually was God. So you're like, so you're saying, John, that, that this, this thing you call the word actually is God? He's like, yeah, the word is God. Well, then what is the word? I'm like, what is this word? Let's jump down to verse 14 where John says, well, let me tell you what the word is. He says in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John's like, are, are you following me now? Basically, John is saying this word this, this message of deliverance, this eternal being that I'm speaking of is none other than the God who came as a man. Okay, this is Jesus he's talking about. So he's saying in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. John's making a point that matters immensely here. Jesus is the God-man. This is why he's saying this is why we got to listen to Jesus. This is why we need to believe in him. He is God who came to this earth. And as God on this earth, as the word, he also came as light in the midst of darkness. Look at verse 4. He says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
See, not only is this darkness evil and the light is good, but John is saying the light is Jesus and the darkness is sin, and Jesus has come to bring an answer to that problem. He, he came with, a, with an answer. In fact, that's why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. John says that the darkness does not overcome Jesus' light. And the Christmas story is, is filled with opposition to God and his plan. Jesus came as a promise God fulfilled to King David, and David's family genealogy after him was a messed up one. God's like, no problem. I could use broken people. That's not going to win out over the light. Well, how about Mary? Like, well, she, she wasn't married and she was a virgin. How's she going to be pregnant with a baby? God's like, no problem. I'll take care of that. Well, how about Joseph? Now Joseph's up in arms. What's he going to do? God's like, no problem. I'll take care of that. He sends Gabriel to speak to Joseph. Darkness won't win over the light. But they're not living in Jerusalem. And, and God had promised that this Savior, this, this one, would come out of Jerusalem and God's like, no problem, I'll have a census come so that they leave Bethlehem and go to Jerusalem. The darkness won't win over the light. But then they get to Jerusalem and there's no room in the inn and God's like, no problem, I've got a manger. The Magi can't find him, God says, I'll send a star. King Herod wants to destroy Jesus, God says, I'll send him to Egypt. And by the way, by doing so, I'll fulfill the prophecy where I say, out of Egypt I've called my son. See, darkness wouldn't win out over the light. It cannot overcome it. God was setting his path forward to bring light into the world. Now, now what does this light look like? What's it doing? Well, in verse 6, we see that there's a message attached to the light. There was a man sent from God, in verse 6, whose name was John. That's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Say, so, okay, what's going on here? Well, God had said he was going to send a messenger to prepare the way for his, his deliverer to come to save people from our sin, from the darkness and brokenness we live in. And that messenger is John. And John came ready to make this message clear. There's no power play here. And John's not like, you know, Jesus, I, I was here before you, and people like me a lot. John says in chapter 3, I think it's verse 30, he says, Jesus must increase. I've got to decrease. I've got a purpose, and my purpose is to point to Jesus. This, this is the purpose of the Christmas story. Um, and every year I've got to say this, and I'm going to say this probably as long as I'm alive. You're like, man, you, you always bash Santa Claus during Christmas. I'm like, yes, I'm going to bash Santa Claus real quick for you guys, all right? If you believe in Santa, cover your ears, okay? But this, this is why Santa's on my naughty list, all right? He is not the gift giver. He is not the, the reason for the season. Although the best way to spread holiday cheer might be to sing loud for all to hear, as Elf told us, um, that, that's, that's, not, that's not Christmas. Santa Claus keeps a record of who's wrong and right and only gives gifts to the good kids. Jesus came for the bad because there are no good. And John the Baptist is like, I'm not pointing anyone anywhere else but to the light. You're in darkness. You don't need more darkness. You need light. So have fun with Santa. He's, mytho he's mythological. 
Make it known that that's the case, or else they'll start thinking Jesus is mythology, and he isn't. That's why he's on my naughty list. So parents tell the truth. Give props to Jesus. All right, back to the text here. John gives testimony about the light. He's saying, this is the one you got to know. This is Jesus. So he said, okay, so, so what question? Why do we need this, John? Because like, you're living in darkness. Well, then why Jesus? Well, because he's God and he's light. So then what do you do with this one? John's like, you've got to believe in him then. You've got to believe in him. See, God's gift can only be enjoyed after it's received. No one enjoys the gifts under the, under the tree while they're wrapped up. You've got to open it. And what John is saying is, this is God's gift for you. He came down as a man and lived a perfect life because you couldn't do it. To take your place on a cross because your death would only send you to hell, but his death can give it away to heaven. He said, but that gift can only be enjoyed once it is received. And that's why he says this in verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. I think that's so ironic, huh? The creator of the world steps on this earth, and his creation doesn't recognize him. I'm not a pet lover of any sort, um, but I understand this of dogs, that when you come home, they're waiting for you because they know you, and you didn't create it, much less God's own creation did not recognize him. That's a wild thought, and it may be because he didn't come flying in like Superman or flexing like the Hulk or create a storm like Thor, but he did come in our dark night. And he came to rescue us. And what John is telling us here, the world didn't recognize him, although he himself was the creator. In verse 11, he says, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. The Jewish people didn't accept Jesus. They didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, this is the message of Christmas. It's that we receive God's gift, and by receiving, we mean this. We mean believing in Jesus, not that he existed, but certainly that, but more than that. But believing that he is God on this earth, who came on this earth. Believing that at the cross, he took your sin on his shoulders. Believing that he rose from the dead. And believing that when you believe in him, you become a child of God. He adopts you into his family. That's what believing is. And when you believe, you are God's child. You're his daughter. You're his son. You're his child. And that can't be done through natural birth, as John says here. It's not of blood. It's not of the flesh or the will of man. It's something people can't plan. This is not natural family planning. It says that it came by the will of God. God is the one who saves us. So this is what John is telling us. We're living in darkness. The world is dark, but light has come. This light is the word. The word is God. God is Jesus. He has come to bring light, to bring forgiveness of sin to all who turn from their sin and put their faith in Jesus. He says, when you do that, you become God's child, part of God's family, 
the sure hope of forgiveness and of heaven and the power to live this life with joy because of him. That, that is God's mission that first Christmas. And so we hear that. And I said at the beginning, I, I want two results. I want us to be in awe of that, to think that God of eternity would step into our shoes for us. It's mind-blowing. I'll never fully understand it. But I stand in awe of God's love that me, his creation, who shook my fist at God, said, God, I don't believe in you. From my birth, it's just that was the posture of my soul. That he would say, I'm going to send my son for you still. Secondly, I said, I want us to join God in his mission. You see, family, in our day and age, there is a kind of cultural Christianity. An understanding that we are God's children by way of being a part of a Christian culture, perhaps. By attending church on a Sundays. Maybe because we were raised in a local church, because our family members we're followers of Jesus. That's, that's not receiving the gift. If that's what you think it is for you to be saved, you must understand you're still in darkness then. And God needs to unveil your eyes so that you can see that Jesus is a gift that God offers to you that you must receive. That you must say, I believe from myself, not because mom or dad or grandma, not because our, our country is, quote, a Christian country, which, by the way, it is not. That doesn't make us a Christian. It is by faith. And John says here, for all who receive him, who believe in his name, not all who were raised in it, but all who believe in him. And so because of that, I plead for you who don't know him today. Maybe you're still in darkness. Maybe you assumed you were right with God because of the things you did, but you haven't believed and given your life to him. Let that day be today where you do it. Let that be today. For the rest of us, man, let's, let's get on God's mission. If you are God's child, that, that missional Christmas list that we put together is, is a tool to spur you on, to see with different lenses, to see the, the, the darkness people live in, and find that, that they might find the hope that's in Jesus, and that God might use you as he used John the Baptist to be the instrument by which God makes his truth known. That's what we want to see happen. Let's join him. In his mission. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, in eternity past, there was nothing, and yet there was everything, wasn't there? Our God existed and lived in unity, the Trinity, lacking nothing, Father, Son, and Spirit, harmoniously existing as one God in three, interacting together, but For reasons beyond us, he made us and named us and gave us his image to mirror and envision him. Envision this, sinlessness in Adam and Eve until they rebelled, shook their fists, shook that tree, ate that fruit, did what pleased them, and brokenness entered in. And God had to intervene, but it's not plan B. He always planned to step in and redeem humanity through faith in the God-man Jesus. So goes God's ambitious Christmas mission. It's the story of the infinite engaging the finite, taking on a human frame wrapped in skin, the greatest gift wrapped in skin. No paper or bows, but a baby with rose. 
set to grow and make earth his abode, take death for his foes, conquer death for his foes, salvation offered in Jesus alone. And that's what we're calling ambitious. That's God on his mission. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Family, let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it sidetracked. Let's realign our focus. Let's get readjusted and say, Jesus, Christmas is about you. So let me join you in your work so that light can shine from darkness. Let's pray, family. Lord, we want to act upon the truths of your word, Lord. And God, I know we're we're stepping into some mysterious waters, Lord, when we speak of the eternal God stepping onto this earth. But Lord, let us never, ever lose sight of that. God, I pray that we would enjoy the sights, the smells, the traditions of the season. But Lord, let them not be separated from you. God, for all the brothers and sisters who are here who know you and love you, Lord, light a fire within them, God, to be sure to make the manger and the coming of Jesus the centerpiece in their homes, Lord. Let them say that it is you that we adore with hands lifted high. And God, for those who are here today, God, who maybe they're realizing, Lord, that they've assumed a lot about their their belief and the assumptions have been wrong, God. God, help them see, Lord, that you have come and met them in their dark night. Help them see that you want them to believe in you and your son Jesus and his death on their behalf. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would allow repentance to take place in their souls, God. That they would turn away from their sin, turn away from idols in their hearts, turn away from the lies, turn away um, from all the things that would distract and turn to you, Lord. And God, I pray that that would mean that they would live for you and not for themselves. God, all of us, we're at this place. And if you had not stepped in, God, we'd be on a sure path to destruction. So Lord, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for bearing the cross in our shame, Jesus. Thank you for raising from the grave. And thank you for loving us. It's all about you. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Family, let's rise to our feet. We've got a song to sing, family, don't we? We've got a song to sing of God's unfailing love. A song to sing of God's great, ambitious Christmas mission. Uh, prayer team, would you come forward? Prayer team would also be in the back. I know this is what we do every Sunday, and, uh, but I plead with you to not let an opportunity to be prayed for pass you by if indeed you're burdened with something today. Uh, whatever it is God puts in your heart, these, these brothers, these sisters would love to pray for you, pray with you. Maybe you've got a loved one, a family member who doesn't know this. They're in darkness and your heart is weighty for them. Let let us pray for, for your family member, your friend. 
Maybe you have a, a, a courageous idea and you're, you're nervous because you're afraid of what's going to take to be vocal about Jesus in this way. Let us pray for you. When it comes down to it, guys, let's, let's take advantage of the gift of prayer. Let's also rejoice in the gift of song. Let's sing our praises to our God because he's worthy. Grace.